We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into another edition of Pete's Pigskin Preview, presented by Walk-On's Sports Bistro. I'm Neil McCready. That is MPW digital football expert Pete DeWeese back with us for another week. Pete got us ready last week for Ole Miss at Vanderbilt. I felt very prepared as I watched that game. Pete uh, undersold uh, A.J. Swan a little bit, uh, just a little. I think he did it because it's a freshman. You never know a freshman is going to respond in an SEC game against a top-10 team. Um, but if you listen to Pete, he tried to tell you that Swan's pretty good, and Swan's legit. Uh, he was fun to watch. Um, Vanderbilt and Ole Miss played. Ole Miss won 52-28. The Rebels now 6-0 and overall, 2-0 and in the SEC. They head home on Saturday to play the Auburn Tigers, who would kill to have A.J. Swan on their roster right now. Uh, the Tigers 3-3 three and three overall, 1-2 and two in the SEC. The game kicks off at 11 a.m. You can see it on ESPN if you're not making the trip to Oxford. Pete, how are you? I'm well. I'm well. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I guess we'll tell the people a little bit about Walk-Ons before we get rolling. Because Walk-Ons, We should. We should, absolutely. Walk-Ons has made this show possible. Walk-Ons Sports Bistro, they put everything they've got into bringing you game day with a taste of Louisiana. Dig into their mouth-watering, made-from-scratch Louisiana cuisine, po'boys, gumbo, voodoo shrimp, plus fan favorites like juicy burgers, fresh salads, all in front of 70-plus TVs, 40-plus ice-cold beers on tap. So if you're coming to Oxford this weekend... Look, I get it. The Grove, I get it. I get it. When you leave the Grove, get to walk-ons. There are a bunch of games later in the day on Saturday. It's To me, it's the great part about your team playing at 11. I know people disagree, but let's all just agree to disagree and follow me along on this point. You get a slate of games at 2.30 that include Alabama, uh, Tennessee. You got Oklahoma State, TCU. You got uh, – the LSU-Florida game at 6, Mississippi State-Kentucky at 6.30, USC-Utah at 7. It feels like I'm leaving stuff out. There's a lot on. They'll have all those games on the screen, at, on the screens at walk-ons. You can enjoy a uh, plethora of beers, lots of appetizers, great dinners, and more. Uh, I know everybody wants to get to the square. Sometimes it's nice to get away from the square. You can watch all of those games. You'll love it. Have a great Saturday, and make sure you tell the people at Walk-Ons how much you appreciate them sponsoring the show. And don't forget, well, let Walk-Ons take care of your tailgating needs this season. Inquire today about their family and friends bundles, their tailgate platters. You can order online at walkons.com, or you can use their very convenient 
Walk-Ons app. Again, in Oxford, or if you're in the Jackson area, stop by Walk-Ons in Ridgeland. Uh, all right, Pete, let's dive in a little bit. I know we're going to get do a deep dive on the uh, the Auburn Tigers, Brian Harson's team for now. Um, look at me. I'm just being a smart-ass already out of the top. But he's not going to be the coach next year, so it is for now. I guess we're all for now, right? I mean, that's what Brian Harson would say. Well, you know, everything's for now. Everything's for now. He's right. Um, we're all day today. Um, Ole Miss wins 52-28. The slow start was predictable. Uh, Vanderbilt is a really well-coached football team, I thought. Uh, and you said that last week, and you were right. They'd had a week off. They were they'd put some schemes in, put some stuff in that Ole Miss probably had to take a minute to check it out, see what was going on. And then after that, you know, I thought the big key to the game was Ole Miss scoring. Look, Ole Miss was going to win the game. Even if it was 20 to 10 at the half, Ole Miss was going to win the game. But I thought when they got the touchdown late in the first half, that set it up where they could blow them out in the third quarter, and they did just that. Um, any Before I dive into a couple of specifics, any general takeaways from that game that you took as a coach? You know, I, I think, I think, and we've talked about this a lot of times, like Kiffin is, is pretty frank in his press conference and, and – when it comes to this kind of stuff. And um, I I think everything he talked about in his press conference this week rings true. I mean, I'm not satisfied with the way they tackled. Um, Probably not satisfied with some of the angles and and things defensively. Um, But I I think Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt had a really good plan, right? They, They saw how Kentucky had success in the run game. They mirrored as much of that as they could. Um, they found their best players on offense on the perimeter. They found ways to get them the ball. Um, sometimes because they made a play and sometimes because Ole Miss was out of position. And, and that's that's going to happen through the course of any football game. Um, I, defensively, and this is another thing Kiffin talked about, is Vandy straight up said, we are not going to let you run the football. We are going to make Jackson Dart beat you. And there are teams left on Ole Miss's schedule that can play that game and the outcome will be a little different. Um, but ultimately, the the perimeter for Vanderbilt's defense didn't hold up, right? From the, we, we saw all the yardage. We saw the chunk plays. Obviously, Mingo setting the record. Um, but but even there's the the long touchdown to, I think it was Watkins out of the West. backfield again yeah. um, in the first half. Um, so there, there's so many things that kind of play into – um, you know, I, I think from a coaching standpoint, the thing that I, cause I was, I was nervous and frustrated, just like any Ole Miss fan was going to be, you know, going in towards halftime. But I, I think that, that the thing that Ole Miss did probably for the first time this season was, you know, it, it's not like Troy wasn't trying to stop the run. It's not like Georgia Tech and it's not like Kentucky wasn't trying to stop the run. Ole Miss went to their answers in the passing game to take advantage of what Vandy was doing. And it's the first time we've seen them be effective playing in that role. And, and you know, there were times where um, early I'm like, okay, this the, the maturity, the maturation of the quarterback, we're still seeing that growth. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, no, what are you doing? You know, I, on the, the, the touchdown he threw into double coverage, he does a great job evading pressure. And I'm like, all right, tuck it. And then he doesn't tuck it. And he just starts working to his left. And I'm like, nope, not going to be good. And and obviously something good can happen. But the whole time I'm just watching and you, I don't even think you can see any receivers in the screen. And I'm just going, nope, nope. And then the ball leaves his hand 
And as soon as anybody else comes into the picture, it's two Vandy defenders. And I'm like, oh, Kevin's not going to be happy about that one. You know, so so those plays are still happening. But some of the other things that Ole Miss did um, to to give him easy throws and to combat the things that Vanderbilt was doing um, to to try and stop the run were really strong. And then obviously they were still effective running the football. And and you know, I, I there was a clip I showed last week prepping for Vandy where Alabama ran stretch, and I showed it, and I said. What I see right here as I pause this is I see Alabama's offensive line in their backfield, and you see Vandy. Now, can they hold up over the course of a game was the question. So I do think that there is some talent in the defensive line at Vanderbilt. Make no bones about it. They're not Georgia. They're not Alabama. They're not they're not Auburn but, um, or Texas A&M. But, but they're, they're not bad players. Where their weakness fell was on the outside, and that's part of the reason Vandy plays so many games defensively. Um you know, like you said, I, I I was nervous to stake a claim and say A.J. Swan is a really good quarterback that's going to – but I can tell you that there's a lot of people in Georgia that really were like – you know, he was committed to Maryland for a while and then Vandy offered and it was closer to home and it was the SEC. And there's a lot of people around here that were sitting here going, they got to steal. Um, they did. Because he does a he, lot you know, of things well. He He does a lot of things well. You see the arm talent. And there was a point during the game where I'm watching him, and I thought about something you said last week was was the, the talk of people comparing him to Cutler from a from a live arm standpoint and some of those things. And he made one play in particular, and I can't tell you what it was, but he made a play during the game, and I went, oh, that's that's why they made the Cutler reference. It was a second quarter throw. Uh, Might have been on a fourth down play. It was it was a dime, is what it was. And he made that throw, and I had the binoculars on him, and I was like, whoa. What is that? I mean, I kind of made an out, you know, an, an audible whoa, what, you know, like in the press box, kind of caught myself, like, hey, calm down. But he's he's legit. I mean, I walked out of there, and this is not fair. What I'm about to say to Vanderbilt, but life's not fair. I walked out of there going, I don't know how they're going to keep that kid. I mean, the people around him are about to get tampered with. He he is in a good offense for his skill set. I do believe that. Um, and, and I'd be lying if I told you I knew the kid or his family and, and, and what he was going to do. I I don't think you're wrong. I don't think it's out of the question that people reach out to him because if you're Kentucky, he's the kind of quarterback you want to replace Will Levis. And I have no idea what they have behind. I have no idea what Kentucky's looking at in the future, but in, you know, you made the the reference earlier of, of Auburn wishes they had him and, and we'll talk about Auburn later, but, he is what Brian Harson would like to have as a quarterback. I truly believe that. And there's there's a lot of teams that would that are going to play a similar style of ball that that um that would like his skill set. And it's only going to get better. He, he's a freshman. He did some good things, and um you know Ole Miss will play better quarterbacks, assuming they're some guys healthy when they get to Ole Miss's schedule. Um, but he probably played better than anybody they've played yet. Including Levis, yeah, it's yeah, cool. Now you realize Levis played hurt. Um, yeah, not to, not to minimize what happened in that game, but Levis got hurt in that game. Um, speaking of guys getting hurt, uh, Michael Trigg makes a catch. Uh, I think it was early fourth quarter. Comes down on that shoulder. Turns out it's no one's confirming this, but then again, no one's denying it either. It turns out it's a fractured collarbone. He's going to be out. For a period of time, there are media outlets that are reporting that he is out for the year. Our reporting has not led us to that place yet. 
but he's not playing Saturday. He's not playing at LSU, probably not playing at College Station. I think the earliest he comes back is the Alabama game. So that's a three-game absence without Michael Trigg. You watch a lot of film. How big of a deal is losing Michael Trigg in this offense? At this point, so much of Trigg is about possibility, not necessarily about production, right? Outside of, was it Central Arkansas, outside of the one early game where they fed him some touchdowns early, um, he hasn't been ultra productive. Now, that doesn't mean he hasn't been effective, right? It's it's easy to say, why didn't he caught the ball more? Why didn't he have more yards? Sometimes his presence and his ability to stretch the field from that position opens other guys up. And so th- there's roles there. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, from, from Ole Miss's standpoint, I think they're comfortable with Casey Kelly as a blocker, right? Um, and they're comfortable getting him out in the passing game. How they use him ultimately may be different than how they were willing to use Trigg, just from an athleticism standpoint. I think you see Ole Miss probably get a little bit more personnel-based, right? No tight end on the field in true four wide receiver sets at times to uh, to compensate for that. But, you know, while there are things that Ole Miss certainly looks at and says this was the role that we had kind of carved out for him, how does that role shift? But we've already seen some of that transition, you know, We talked so much about the wall screen in one of these earlier episodes, and we looked at all the different ways they've done it. Since then, they've done it several times with Mingo. Um, One of my favorite plays in the game was a a Judkins touchdown where he trucked the safety at the goal line, and like he's not even done running over the safety, and he starts high-stepping because he realizes what he's just done. They used Mingo essentially as a tight end on that play, where they brought him in motion and used him in split zone. And he's such a big physical presence that they're able to use him as a blocker, which sets him up down the road to be that wall screen guy. And so um, I, I think that uh, I think from an athleticism standpoint and from a from a possibility standpoint, losing Trig obviously is, is a big thing. Um, past that, they have the ability to operate without him. What you worry about now is what does depth look like if 81 goes down? You know, when you've got zero and 81, you feel good about things. Zero's down. If 81's on the shelf, you change the way you play offense. Yeah, and I think you're going to see a lot of changing offense. I think they call it cheetah in their building. Mm. The four wides, I think you're going to see a ton of cheetah. And you might see ways where they put Evans and Judkins on the field together. I I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It's one of the things that Lane does really well. Uh, is one of the things he has always done done a good job of is using wide receivers and their influence to assist the running game. And and you go back to late in the season last year, Mississippi State game is stands out in my mind. They spent a ton of time without a tight end on the field, where they're taking Drummond. I don't remember who it was. They're motioning him into the backfield and then back out of the backfield to manipulate the box, to run the ball without a tight end. And so all those things are back in play. You know, there are things, you know, we, we showed the Georgia Tech game where they're lining a receiver up in the backfield and he's mimicking a split flow action like you do with the tight end and they're using it to distort eyes and do different things. So it, I don't, you know, does it does it limit them maybe to a degree more than anything? I think it becomes a depth concern. 
One more thing about Ole Miss before we get turn our attention to uh, to Auburn and and the game Saturday. Um, I catch myself this team six and zero. They're two and zero. The meat of the schedule is here, um, to some degree. I mean, I I don't know what Auburn is. You're about to tell me um, LSU, and then of course Texas A and M and uh, Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi State. Certainly, some tough games ahead. Um, I catch myself looking for warts, which I think is what beat writers do. I mean, you know, beat writers are always going to talk about the warts because we see the team every time. You know, I don't, I don't watch a team twice. I watch this team all the time and then watch the replay. And I, I, I wonder if this team has enough explosion at defensive end, defensive line in general. It's not that they're not good. They are good. Cedric Johnson's a good player. I think he's going to get an opportunity in the, in the NFL. I think Tavius Robinson's going to get an opportunity in the NFL. So it's not a criticism of them as players. They're good players. I just wonder if they are disruptive enough in the passing game to ultimately get this team to the elite level. When I say elite, I mean past 9-3, and three, maybe even past 10-2 and two, to – 11 and one to going to Atlanta to competing in the playoff, that kind of thing. I catch myself wondering, I wonder if that's going to be the Achilles heel. Is that ridiculous? No, it's, it's not ridiculous. You know, I, the, the Georgia tech game kind of stands out a little bit as an anomaly. I mean, it, you know, we're having this conversation and Ole Miss is third in the sec with 16 sacks. Right. So production is coming from somewhere. And and sometimes the effectiveness of the defensive line is not about the plays they make. It's about their ability to let others make plays. That's that's the reality of that position. It doesn't matter what your scheme is. Now, there's always outliers. There's always guys that you look at and you go, you know, the dude is just different. He finds a way and he makes plays on his own. But scheme matters too. And And the way Ole Miss is playing a lot of times defensively, particularly in the run game, um, it's it's more about those guys absorbing multiple bodies to let other people run and fit than it is about being disruptive. Anything disruptive is a bonus. The more diverse you can be in defending the pass and passing situations, the more difficult you are to plan for, to prep for, to execute against. And, and if Ole Miss can find a way to generate adequate pressure with three or four rushers it changes things and last year they had the ability to do that because sam williams could do it and so if they can find a way to do that without having to get the safeties and without having to get the linebackers always involved in the pressure to get pressure um there's no question it'll benefit them down the road all right, like I said, Ole Miss and Auburn Saturday at 11. The Tigers have certainly had all sorts of issues. They're basically a soap opera, which is kind of what Auburn is a lot of times. Um, from a just football standpoint, I'll hand it over to you. What, are, what can we expect to see from from Auburn on Saturday morning? So I, I think um, from, from my money, you know, and we're going to start here, and we're, we're going to focus just strictly on Auburn film, no Ole Miss film tonight. And we're going to start with the Auburn offense, and, and – you know, when Harson got to Auburn, I was really interested interested to see what would happen. And and part of it was I thought that maybe there's some bodies there that that fit his style. He's going to need to recruit a few more. And and I think part of the issue right now that you see with Auburn is is I don't know if they know or if they're comfortable with their identity. When when you watch 
what I recall of Auburn last year offensively is not what I see this year offensively. What I recall of his offenses prior to coming to Auburn, not necessarily what I see. I mean, there are elements of it are there. Um, but it, but I'm not necessarily seeing the, the, the same thing. And a lot of it has to do with quarterback play. Um, both the quarterbacks he inherited and the quarterbacks he's brought in um, don't necessarily, in my eyes, fit what he has traditionally done. Um, and, and so you combine that with an offensive line that is not on standard with what all Auburn offensive line play normally is. Um, and it's kind of left him searching for an identity. I, I think it, it's easy to look at some of the Auburn games that we've seen and say, oh, they're, they're not a good football team. Well, that that's transitive property. We've had that discussion before. You know, the wheels fell off at Georgia, but but early, if they don't shoot themselves in the foot, it's it's a close game at halftime against the top three team in the country. And, and you know, the Missouri game was ugly. But the, the the first half team that you saw against Georgia was not the same the same team you saw at Missouri and, and Missouri should have won that ball game. I mean Auburn Auburn had no business yeah. win, winning that. Um, and and so they're they're kind of a hard team to to figure. And so I do think ultimately, you know, Ashford can throw the football, but he's not consistent. Their offensive line struggles against movement. Now I'm basing some of that off the Missouri game and a lot of it off the Georgia game. And what Georgia can create up front is different than what most teams in the country can create, including Ole Miss. And and so I, I don't know how much the picture stays the same. Um, there's there's some skill at wide receiver. Their two running backs are big time running backs, um, and 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 they try to find a lot of ways to get them involved. The question is going to be what approach do they have against Ole Miss? If they come out and they choose to play the style of game where they pack it in and they use bigger bodies and they absolutely commit to running the football, there's concern, I I think, based on just last week's performance and a little bit Kentucky's performance and a little bit the performance against Troy where teams were successful running the ball, in particular Troy with a running quarterback, or Tulsa rather, with a running quarterback in the second half of that game. And and so, you know, if Auburn wants to spread things out, I don't know if Ole Miss has as much concern um, because if they can contain the quarterback in those situations, I don't know if they feel like he can beat them, right? Yeah. So, so I want to highlight just a few things from the Georgia game to kind of show you and give you some idea of, of the things that they're trying to do to help him, okay? Um, one of the things that stood out to me, you know, as I've watched them this year and as I really dove into the Georgia game, they are doing everything they can to give him simple reads, not asking him to make a lot of full field progression. It is what can we do to make life easy on him? So this is early in the Georgia game. This is third play of offense for for Auburn. They are going to come out. So you're looking at a third and, third and six. Yeah, it looks like about third and six. Yep. So they're going to come out here and they're going to just give you a simple two by two. So they know Georgia has the ability to be aggressive. Georgia's got a lot of different tricks up their sleeve. So they're going to motion this back out and they're going to give him a screen to this side of the formation. 
to the boundary, to the short side, they're going to give him a real simple progression. They're going to give him a fade with an out route. Okay. So there's a lot of things at play here because the third thing is he always has his feet. And as you empty the box, if defenders empty the box, you open up potential to run the ball. So I don't know for a fact different people have different ways of teaching everything. The way that I think most people would teach this concept is you start with the simple math, right? This guy doesn't matter. He's too deep. He's not a factor in this equation right now. So right now I am two for two. I'm even to the field. When I motion the back out, if anybody goes with him, the numbers don't work for me. I don't have to think anything else about anything on my right side. Now it's all about my literally. Life. Literally, if I think it's number nineteen here, the middle. No, the the outside linebacker. If, the, if he goes left, that the screen part of it, the play is dead. If if he goes left, it's dead. If he stays put, it's on, and you're hoping that you block up the first two, and you make this guy make the play in space. Right. And you're, right. you're, trying, to get, you're trying to get six yeah. yards. So yeah, that's, uh, that's it. You feel good about you, it. Right. And and if you're throwing that, you're throwing it to one of your tailbacks who are two of your better players on your team. Sure. Hard to tackle in space, right? But very simple on the quarterback. It is as simple as when the motion happens, does he move? Okay. If he moves, my eyes come backside now, and all I need to do is read this, this corner. If that corner turns and bails, I'm going to throw this out route, give my guy a chance to turn up and get the first down. You're throwing towards the boundary. Throwing towards, his towards side the boundary. Side, short throw, easy completion, easy read. I only have to isolate one defender. Okay. If anything, if this end, if this linebacker, if this safety, if anything in a red jersey comes to cloud that picture, I run. Yeah. Okay? If this corner does not bail with the route, but he turns and plays a technique where he has zone eyes, which means his eyes are not staring at his receiver, but are looking back inside at the quarterback. Now I can either try to throw the fade shot behind the corner, but this safety so wide, they're, they're taking that away. So now I'm going to just, again, I can have the ability to run. Now what it looks like George is doing here is playing a version of what's known as rip Liz match. And I may be off on that, but typically, basically, you you have a free safety who is there, and he is responsible. If this running back goes to the flat and he gets a vertical from this receiver, he's responsible for him. If he does not get a vertical, he's just a free safety. Everybody else is playing a version of man-to-man. For instance, these two guys are both reading him. If that number two receiver goes out, the corner is going to take him, and I'm going to go help with – and then now this safety is going to go help with number one, okay? If that number two receiver, the inside receiver, goes vertical, then I'm going to take him, and now the corner will take the outside receiver. As soon as Georgia presents – or Auburn presents number three, now they're expecting somebody underneath to help. So right here you'll see what happens, Okay. Here comes the motion right here. There goes Bigsby. There goes the backer out of the box, and you see so, the backer. So immediately he's moved, and so um, the play to the right is over. And look, he doesn't. He immediately looks left. Yeah. It, he as soon as he sees the linebacker move, that's all he's got to see. There's nothing else, and it may be even a situation where they know based on film they're going to move. 
don't even think about it, right? But as soon as you see that movement, his eyes immediately go left. Everything to his right is completely off the page, okay? So, and you see Georgia, as soon as the motion starts, you see the linebacker put his hands up behind his head. He's signaling his responsibility. He's telling those safeties what's going on. And now you see the safeties change, and Georgia's changing their coverage now. Truth is, if he pulls up and throws that ball, they're actually in decent position to get the first down. But because he saw movement, he's thinking the math is not in my favor, so I'm going to the short side of the field. Okay, He really – I mean, I'm sorry for interrupting. No. But this really minimizes your playbook, doesn't it? Yes y- yes, and no. Okay. Right? Okay. Um, Ole Miss does plenty of things in a very similar fashion. Right? It may look a little different. It may it, – it's – when you're dealing with a young quarterback, these are a lot of the type of things you try to give him. And we've talked about the things they've given Dart in the yep. run game. We talked about last week the thing they're giving A.J. Swan with easy throwouts. Same idea here, but now it's third and six, and instead of combining it with the run play, you're giving him a screen pass option. Gotcha. Screen one side, pass the other side. Oh, by the way, you're an athlete that has the ability to run. So you're dividing the defense now. You're really forcing the defense to make a decision on how they're going to play you because you've essentially built three plays into one extremely simple concept. So right here, as soon as he snaps the ball, his eyes are going down here to the bottom and he's looking at number three, the corner three has turned his hips and his eyes are inside. He's not playing man to man. So right now he sees that number three is going to cut that out route. He knows that out route can't be completed so already he's getting his eyes to find where's my backer? Can I go run and get the first down? Oh, yeah. And you, you look at it from the end zone here. There's the motion. Right now he knows the backer's out, so my eyes go left. Where's my corner? Nope. I can't throw it. So here I go. I'm going to take off. Now, where he has to be careful is when he takes off to run, he will put the ball on the ground. Yeah, his ball security, even right there, is not great. There's one later. Literally, I think it's the same play or something very similar where he flushes up the middle and he knocks the ball out of his own hand with his with his leg yeah. because he's carrying it the same way. He's doing and it so right he, yeah. he, he, there is a, 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 an issue with ball security with him, and it's not just about throwing interceptions. But you can see how Auburn is really trying to make it easy on him right there. And they're giving him a real simple progression and giving themselves a, a chance of success. Okay. So moving forward, now we're next drive. All right. So now they're going to come out and they're showing this four wide presentation. If anybody's listening to this right now, it's first and 10 at the 15, at the Auburn on its own 15. And if you're listening to this, stop, go find the video. You'll enjoy this so much more. But if you are listening and you're insisting on listening, and fewer and fewer of you are doing it, this is first and 15, Auburn, first quarter at its own 15-yard line. First and Auburn, 10, I should say. Yep, Auburn starts out here in four wides. There's two receivers on each side. The ball's on the right hash, so they're going to take the outside receiver to his right, and they're going to motion him into the backfield, and he's going to now get set next to the quarterback. So now the formation has changed. It's no longer four wide, it's three wide. And you now have two running backs lined up next to the quarterback. So first and 10, let's give him an easy read here. 
Okay. Again, try to get us some positive yardage. So they're going to run a bootleg here. They're going to show run to the left. He is going to pull it. And what they've done is they've layered routes. So he's got one receiver to his right that's out wide, and he's going to push vertical. The running back that started out as a receiver and is motioned into the backfield is going to come back underneath and run to the flat. And now his his two receivers to the left, the outside guy is going to run some type of a deep post. And the inside guy is going to run a drag route at about 10 yards so that they can they can flood and layer the boundary. They're going to give him essentially a high option, a middle option, and a low option in front of him as he rolls to his right, even though it's the short side of the field. So as he executes it right here, he gets out. He has what he wants. He has his running back open in the flat for an easy five yards on first down. Yeah, just flip it to him right there. He's going to get five, six yards. Watch what he does. He doesn't want to take the free money right here. He wants to find this tight end on that over route, and he tries to work back across his body. He's not open. He's not open. There's a safety sitting right there on him, and and if it's a better throw, the throw is low. If it's a better throw, it, it might be an interception. Yeah. And if you if you look at it again, if you look at it from the end zone, they start with Bigsby in the backfield. Now they bring Jarquez Hunter back in. So now you've got your two studs right next to him. You're telling the defense this is probably a run formation. You give them the play action, and there's Jarquez right now in the flat. If, if, if you pull up, and he's ready to throw that ball right now. He has out-leveraged the defender. If you throw that ball to 27 right there, the kid is a freak show in the weight room. He breaks tackles on the regular. You throw it to him. You make that safety tackle him in space. At but worst, at minimum, it's a five-yard gain. Yeah, I, was gonna, I, I think it's at minimum it's a six-yard yeah, gain. We're, we're splitting hairs now. But it's a five, six-yard gain, and, and it's second and very manageable with the entire playbook at your disposal. Very manageable. But he right now he's out leveraged. He is open. But he has already gone on, and he is now looking for his backside route and tries to force it on a weird off-platform throw back across his body that was completely unnecessary. And these are some of the growing pains that they're having within that offense, okay? So they do some traditional things with him as well, things that you do. But again, try to make life simple for him and give him um, opportunities to kind of cut the field in half. So right here, the ball is on the left hash, okay? This is third and and three, third and a long two, third and three, whatever you want to call it. Okay. So they come out again, four wides, okay? Three receivers to the right, to the wide side of the field, two receivers to the left. So to the field, they're just going to run a variation of stick concept. It's very basic. Everybody does it. You're going to push to the sticks, and you're going to sit down. He's going to push and probably work an out route, and then the outside receiver to that side is going to push vertical. And all you're trying to do is leverage one of these two short routes to convert for the first down. On the backside, he's going to run what's known as a snag route. He's going to push a couple steps vertical, and then he's got really two options. He's either going to go find a window and settle down at the sticks, or he's going to go set a pick on somebody because they're going to bring the running back out of the backfield to the single receiver and put him on a wheel route or a flat route. And so if this receiver recognizes man coverage or sees somebody try to pop out late, 
to defend the back, he's going to set a pick for him and create a rub, easy throw, first down, right, keep the sticks moving. If nobody pops out, he's going to go find the window and look for the football. So, again, what they've done for him is they've cut the field in half. All I have to do, again, is play the numbers game. So if I look to the right of the formation as a quarterback, I have three receivers. There are one, two, three, four, five guys to that side. Now I'm not even counting the safety that's 15 yards deep. Yeah. So right and now – On the other side, you're, you're two against one. You're two against one. Maybe two if this guy drops. Yeah. Right? But – or if, if the linebacker were to come back over. But five versus three is not – you know, you'll always take two over two versus four over three or five over three. And so, again, it's really simple. It, it's it's how simple the game can be. But modern defenses have, have just figured out a lot of good ways to combat really basic, good quality stuff like this. So right here, you get – an easy read for the quarterback. He should be looking right here to the boundary, and he starts looking to the boundary. His eyes come to the short side of the field, and Georgia matches it because they pop out this end. They take this stand-up linebacker here, and he pops out on the back. Okay? So as he does that, you see the receiver goes to set the screen and has a chance, and maybe with the right back shoulder ball to the running back, maybe you get a first down right there. They probably watched film of this and told number zero, the receiver at the bottom, hey, dude, you got to go deeper. Like you went underneath the guy. You're not getting us a first down if you catch it. But the reality is if he does read the boundary and he trusts reading the boundary, okay, if I don't think I can get it to my back, look who comes open. I throw it to zero now is is the the – the end drops underneath. I'm moving the chains right there. Moving the chains. Very simple throw. He feels the pressure coming. He sees the pop out. He feels the pressure. And he does a nice job of finding escape lanes. He really does. Okay. So here he feels the pressure. He steps up. He finds the escape lane. And this is where you have to be worried about him. Because, again, could have been a converted third down on an easy throw. But if you don't contain in the rush, he turns this into a very easy 10, 12-yard run yeah. where he's able to convert. So his athleticism certainly makes a difference. His youth and inexperience shows, but so does his athleticism. It, it all flashes for him. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, going on, this is very next snap, okay? This is one of the bigger things. You don't see this quite as much in high school football because outside of the state of Texas, High school hashes are wider than college hashes. College hashes are first and 10 from the Auburn 29. First and 10 from the Auburn 29. So they're going to get in an empty set. There are no backs in the backfield. He is back there by himself. So they have three receivers that are bunched into the short side of the field. So again, we're going to give him an easy read. So I have a zone beater into the boundary. This guy is going to run a corner route. The outside receiver is going to run the same snag route that we just had the guy run on the previous play. And now instead of a running back in the flat, they're going to take this number three receiver, and now he's going to run into the flat. To the field, to the wide side where he only has two receivers, 
Okay. It's built in as a man beater that can still be effective versus zone coverage. So you're going to work two slant routes. If you get man to man, that inside slant is probably going to be a one step slant. Expect pressure, take one step, set him up, went across his face right now, and he's just going to read inside to out. Okay. So again, what they've allowed you him to do is cut the field in half. To the right side, he has three receivers, and there are five defenders. To the left side, two receivers, three defenders. Okay. So again, three over two is better than five over three, right? Especially again, when you do have such deep safeties. So right here, the math shows him where to go with the football. Again, it is a quick passing game. They are not asking him. You watch his feet right here. He takes one step, and now he is set and ready to throw the football. Okay? They're not putting him in a lot of situations to take big, long, three, five-step drop type passing, throw it down the field. They're limiting that stuff as much as they can for him, and that's to protect their offensive line. So Georgia, Georgia takes away the slot here. So Georgia tries to take away the slot. And he actually throws a really nice ball and drives this into the seam. If this ball is out in front of the receiver, now the receiver drops it. If this ball is in front of the receiver, it's probably picked off by the inside linebacker. But whether it's intentional or not, he puts it right on the back shoulder of the slot receiver. It's a really nice hole shot post, and the receiver drops it. Now, he completes essentially the same ball to his right, um later it's one i think i have it on here i I, it was i was going back and forth on what clips to show you but again i'm just trying to to give you an idea of we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. And it's really a lot like you saw last week. A.J. Swan was not throwing a ton of balls down the field, and when he was, it was it was fade shots that were getting out of his hand fairly quickly. They're giving him a lot of quick things to protect the offensive line, to give him easy decisions on what side of the field to work with very simple one-two reads, right? So Ole Miss's ability, if they can get production from the front in the passing game, like you asked about earlier, they play with so many guys in underneath windows, it can make some of this stuff difficult for Auburn, Okay. Um, moving on right here. This is very next snap, same, same drive, very next play. All right. So incomplete pass. So now you're looking at second and 10. So they, they empty the backfield out again. Okay. There's no running backs in the backfield. So what they're going to do is they're going to work, uh, what's known as, as a drive concept. And ultimately what they're doing right here is they're giving him the same read that I showed you on the first play of the game into the short side. Okay, first play of the game, or the first play that I showed you anyway, you had the outside receiver went vertical, and the inside receiver ran a five-yard out route. We said it's a real easy read. You read the corner. If the corner bails with the out with the vertical ball, throw the out. If he shows eyes to the out route, progress on, right, move, find something else. So now they stack the two receivers to the right. So it's two receivers to the right, balls on the right hash, second and 10, they're on 29-yard line, three receivers to the field. So what they're going to do now is they're going to layer routes to the field. So they're going to put the third receiver, the one closest to him, on a dig route, and the number two receiver is going to come underneath on the shallow. So what he's doing is he is basically taking the right side of the field and it's it, that's his first read, okay? If he can throw this out route, he is throwing this out route, and now it's third and five. If for some reason the corner jumps and he can throw the fade, he's throwing the fade. If he can't, he is coming back, and he is looking second to this shallow route, third to this, this dig behind it, because what the game you're playing is now a high-low on these linebackers. If the linebacker gets depth, the shallow route has a chance to be open. It's Again, it's an easy five-yard pickup. If the linebacker does not get depth and he stays on the shallow, you open up a window behind him in front of the safety to potentially get a first down throw. Okay, So right here, again, it's a pretty simple read. The most complex one we've seen yet because you are giving him multiple things in the progression. Unlike the fade-out combination I showed you earlier, where the corner turned and looked at the quarterback. Here the corner turns and runs with the outside receiver, so he gets the easy out route throw. Yep. You see the shallows coming underneath. They're building everything behind him, but he gets the first read in this progression. He makes the easy throw, but you can see when we watch it from the end zone. Okay. Again, quick game footwork. Now, right here, he's carrying the ball kind of low in the chest, when he goes to spin the ball, because the kid has arm strength, when he goes to spin the ball, 
He gets where he wants to be right there. He is fine. They probably would like to see his front foot a little bit more at his target. Yeah. <clears throat> but right there, the ball just sails, and it's over the head to the point that it almost looks like he's trying to throw a back shoulder fade, but he's trying to throw the out route right here. I watched this five times trying to figure out was this ball tipped, and I don't think it was tipped. I think he just misses. I think it's it, it's a mechanical thing. It's part of his youth, and it's again, it's part of his feet not getting himself set. Look, if you watch his front foot right at the top of his drop, for those that are that are watching and for those listening, as he takes his drop, his front foot never gets really set in the ground. It's almost like he drags his toe and then doesn't step into where he's trying to throw the football. I've so watched, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say it, it puts the, the pressure now on the arm. And the ball can do this. The ball can sell like that. I've watched quarterback coaches do this clap drill. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. You can tell that I'm trying to trying to learn the sport that I've covered for quarter century. They do this clap drill, but the clap is getting that front foot down. Yep. It's all about the, the front foot's down when you clap, and that way nothing nothing happens of significance for a quarterback until the front foot's down. It is getting your body on platform in a balanced position to generate power and create accuracy. Yeah, I've been running around the house doing the clap drill for a while. It's it's kind of an odd thing, but you know, I bet your wife loves it. She likes it. It's got, I, I, I get good hip flexion in it. <laughs> uh, it's good. It's good. I'm glad to hear that. So, all right. So this is where, if I'm Ole Miss, I'm more concerned about Auburn. Okay. okay. All right. They've come out now. We're second quarter. Um, still a close ball game. And they come out now, and the picture looks different. They're no longer spread out. He's under center. They have, to the right side of the formation, they've created a four-man surface. They have essentially center, guard, tackle, and then a a third offensive lineman or tight end. And then they have a wing outside of him. To the left. Kind of an H-back. Kind of, yes. So to the left, they have two receivers stacked up. They're going to bring one of those receivers in motion, and that it happens to be Bigsby. Again, one of their running backs. So you have two legit tailbacks on the field with Hunter in the backfield, Bigsby out wide. You're going to bring him in motion where you have the ability to hand that to him on a speed sweep. Right here, they're not going to. They're going to turn, and they're going to toss this ball. And if you go back and you watch – Auburn versus Ole Miss last year, the things that I remember from that game, and I haven't gone back to watch it. I remember Ole Miss trying several times to throw the wall screen with no success, and I remember Auburn running toss and getting downhill and getting leverage on Ole Miss's secondary players and get it being effective running toss sweep. What I so see right here is is Bigsby as a lead blocker is very effective. Oh, he he goes and he puts body on that corner. I mean, look and, at that. He picks him out. He's out of the play. He he is he is a trying to go attack and block for his backfield mate. He is not he is not being selfish and he is not a wasted body in that concern. So again, the other thing that I do want to point out here that you don't know what games Auburn can play is we see this from the end zone copy, and it's kind of hard to tell. This is number twenty five. That's their normal tight end. This is actually an offensive tackle. So when they present this formation pre-snap and there are two receivers out to the left of the of the uh, quarterback, 
there is also a tight end with the ability to release down the field on that same side. So they they can get you into unbalanced right there where they technically have, if you don't pay attention to this 25, he is an eligible receiver that can get himself down the field. And you can see George is clearly aware of it, right? It's clearly, it's not new. It's been on film. His 24 right here is all about getting eyes on that tight end because he knows he's eligible and has the ability to release. And what that does now is it prevents 24, the safety, from getting involved in the run until very late because he has to be aware of bootleg. He has to be aware of pop passes of that tight end leaking out. So you affect the ability of the defense there to put extra guys into the run fit. Now, Georgia does a good job. They actually kind of overrun it. Uh, Jarquez cuts it back, and but they, they do a good job of being flat down the line and they limit the game. But that is where, if I'm Ole Miss, it's the zone in the toss game when Auburn decides to pack it in and get aggressive that concerns me. Um, moving on, this is uh, just a, a few plays later, okay? Again, they're going to get you into a different type of unbalanced set now, okay? So you have two receivers to the left. This is uh, this is first and 10. Auburn is backed up on their own 14-yard line. They start out with two receivers to the left, balls on the right hash, that are both on the line of scrimmage. So the inside guy is not eligible. The receiver that started on the right is now motioned over to give them a third receiver that is a very viable option for screen, for bubble screen. Okay. They have a, an H back that is off the ball that is both eligible as a pass catcher and can now be an effective part of the blocking game. Okay. So there's a lot of things that they can and will do from this set that give them a chance to, to be successful. Georgia does not do a bad job of fitting this, but Auburn holds on to bodies just long enough, and Hunter is good enough of a back to bend it back and get them what looks like an eight- or nine-yard gain yeah. on first down. Yep. So what they're doing here is no different than, than things that we see out of the Ole Miss offense and really from anybody in college football. They're just going to run a zone to their right of the offense where everybody is on their zone track and the tight end is backside trying to dig out this backside C-gap. When the end slants, he's going to work up to the backer. What they can also do because of the mobility of the quarterback, and they showed it some in the game, but he didn't pull it because of the way Georgia played it, is they will arc this tight end and read the defensive end. And if he becomes a run-first player on the tailback, you give the ability of the quarterback to pull the ball in a zone read fashion. Okay. So these, again, these are the sets that I worry about if I'm Ole Miss's defense, probably more so than a lot of the spread stuff because of the talent of their tailbacks and the athleticism of the quarterback and the things that they can possibly do with him in the run game. Uh, moving on, I'm giving you another third down. This one's later in the game. We're second quarter now. This is, um, uh, third and 10, Auburn's on their 23-yard line right here, okay? So what they're actually going to do is give you um, to one side of the field, it's really similar to what we highlighted last week um, coming out of the Kentucky game. We talked about Ole Miss uses uh, what they call spin, where one side of the field 
you have an inside receiver that runs a little grab route when the outside receiver runs a dig to get into the space behind him. Okay. When Ole Miss runs it on the other side, they typically put a man beater. So here, Auburn's not going to put a man beater. They're going to put another levels concept. They're going to flood the zone again. So they're going to, right now, the ball's on the right hash. There's two receivers to the right, two receivers to the left. Tailback is on the right. So they're going to push the outside receiver to the right, is going to push vertical, maybe on a post, but typically vertical. The inside receiver is going to push inside, and then he is going to come back on a sail route. It's almost like a corner where he's he's going to push inside, he's going to bend outside, and if there's nothing there, he's going to stay tall like a corner route, and if anything else shows up, he's going to bend it into the open space, and then the tailback is now going to be the third player in your level, and he's going to be in the flat, okay? So, again, they're allowing him to cut the field in half, okay? Playing a numbers game here probably has an indication of where they want him to go versus man-to-man, okay? But here he goes. He gets in, and he is look, he starts off, and he's looking to the field. He likes his math to the field. He looks. He doesn't like it, so he transitions his eyes to the bottom. Now, again, if you're playing him, you're not that concerned about him in their four-wide stuff until he breaks down and becomes an athlete. Because he, again, if he throws the ball to the left into the player that's into the flat, it probably it might not be a first down, but the receiver clearly has opportunity if he throws it to that player working the out route to turn up field and arguably get them a first down on this play. Okay. Work into the boundary if he trusts his protection. He has a chance to hit the cell route that's worked into space yeah. right there. The, the right there. That's the corner has first down. The corner's been cleared out by the outside receiver. The linebacker's been pulled up by the flat route. Good sell route beats this safety, and that, that's an easy first down throw. But we can go to the tight shot here. Auburn doesn't handle movement well up front. And right here, they just get bull rushed. And he immediately bails on his pocket and is able to get out. And Georgia has a spy for him, and the spy basically picks wrong. 11 walks up, and he's responsible right there for the quarterback. And the quarterback starts right. So now the spy goes right and he oversets it. So when Ashford comes back to the left, it opens back up. And now you see him again. It's an explosive run. And this is this is before the half. You see he pops up and is calling for a timeout. He pops up now. Again, it's a 20-something yard run on third and 10 because they just misplay their spy. And he's athletic enough um, to, to, to make you pay for it. Yep. So second half now, um, you know, an impressive play. It's a mesh concept that everybody uses. Ole Miss uses them in what they do. So they start out, and they actually have two tight ends on the field here. 25 is a tight end, and I don't. I think 86 or 85 to get flexed out if you're watching it with the knee brace on. But there's three receivers to the left, one to the right, and the tailback is on the left of the quarterback. Ball is close to the right hash, second and 10. So they're going to take the third receiver, who's the tight end, number 25, and they're going to motion him back to the right, and they're going to run a simple mesh concept. So the the basic roots of this, the way most people run it, is if your tailback is just going to be in the flat, then your outside receiver is usually either going to run an out route or a corner, 
or he's going to run a post. Okay. And their running back will be in the flat. And then you have two mesh players, meaning one guy's going to come attack right at linebacker level. And he's looking to set a rub for whoever you're bringing back from the other side into that window. And they're going to literally be close enough to give each other a high five as they go by. The other thing you'll see people do, and the Ole Miss does this a good bit, is they'll put that tailback on what's known as a rail route. It's similar to a wheel where he's trying to get up the sideline. And now this outside receiver is going to go work inside and try to find space over the ball. Okay. So right here, they're going to motion and they're going to put this outside receiver. You see he pushes inside and then he works back out to the corner. Now, there's a lot of different ways, you know, Mike Leach and Hal Mummy and those guys, they didn't create it. Norm Chow, BYU, Bill Walsh, those are the people that get credit for kind of making this, bringing it to the football world, at least as far as I know. Um, but Leach and Mummy and, and the Air Raid guys really made it a staple. And so different people read it different ways. But the way a lot of people teach it now is the running back is the first read in the progression. So right here, as soon as that corner bails, and this linebacker collisions 85 and gets caught up, he knows right now I'm throwing this ball to my tailback. Now, easy throw, easy read, easy seven, eight yards. But when you throw it to a special player, special things happen, and we'll watch that here in a second. But you can see his progression. If that linebacker expands and goes running to the flat, the next read is now going to be this out route by the outside receiver, which, again, if thrown in rhythm, has a chance to be a first down. And then his third read in the progression is going to be this receiver that came underneath on the mesh route. Yeah. So what you've done is created a triangle for the quarterback. So it's first read, second read, and then third read. And if you go study a lot of football passing concepts, it's all about building triangles for the quarterback. Okay. So right here, again, easy throw, easy read, easy completion. Give it to a special player, and special players sometimes do special things. Right. And and that's another thing, you know, that's again, that's that's why the running backs scare me the most. And it's why his athleticism scares me the most. Ole Miss did not tackle great last week. They didn't necessarily always tackle great against Rodriguez in Kentucky. But if you don't tackle well against four and 27, it can be a long day for for the Ole Miss defense. Yeah, um, he's a special back. He he is a – listen, I, I we talked about this last year. I played high school ball with his dad, and his dad wasn't nearly as big as he is, and he ran the same way. Yeah. Um, he, he is a – and by all accounts, an, a special young man. I mean, and literally by all accounts – I've I've never heard a person say a crossword about him uh from, from back home. And I'm sure I'm sure there's always crosswords can be said about anybody, but I, I'm yet to hear it on him. So um so kind of changing the channel a little bit, a little bit about their defense. The defense is the strength of their football team. They don't do anything crazy, they don't do anything that's that unique, in my opinion. They have some tricks like everybody else does. Um but but what they do is is Auburn has always recruited well on the front, right? I think they've had some struggles at linebacker play this year. I don't necessarily think they're great in the secondary, but they are athletic. 
but they always do a good job recruiting their long defensive line, and they still have those players. Uh, Georgia had some issues with them at, at time for sure. So this is actually very similar to the drive concept I showed you earlier where they gave Ashford a simple two-man read, and then backside he had the drive. So Georgia's going to kind of run the same type of concept here against Auburn, okay? Auburn presents what's essentially a five-man front right here with one linebacker, and they're playing this match coverage. And, again, it's the same type of match coverage that I actually showed you earlier um, when when we were talking about Auburn's offense. You have the one defense, the defender that's deep. He's going to man him up, and before the motion starts here, these guys are playing off the releases of these other guys, Okay. And so here, when they motion, they're going to go ahead and travel with it, meaning he's going to run with the motion guy. So right now, he's free in the middle of the field. These two guys are reading the release of these two. As he releases vertical, he's going to take it. If he releases inside, he's going to take it, and now I'm going to take all of him. Okay? So they're just reading those releases right there. What they're able to do is generate good pass rush, now, they do get lost a little bit in the coverage right here, and it's not on the linebacker. It's on Georgia's ability to take advantage of the matchup because, again, when we've got two guys that are reading his release, when he pushes vertical, I've got to take the first thing inside of vertical, which means I'm left with what whatever remains. So when they take 84 and put him back underneath on the shallow route, you're now asking number one to run back through all this trash to go – try and, and and defend it. Um, so right here, they're able to find the underneath route. And he's actually a little bit late on the route, but they're able to find it for an effective play just short of the first down. If he hits him earlier, I, I do think it ends up being a first down for Georgia. But if we go to the end zone copy, it's part of what I wanted to show you. It was not just how they're playing these man-to-man type concepts, but what Georgia's done, so they've taken their four, or Auburn's done, they've taken their four-man front here, and they've slid them out. So this is your defensive end. Here's a D tackle. Here's, you know, two other D linemen. This is one of your linebackers standing up on the edge, and then you have one linebacker in the middle. So he's going to be man-to-man on the tailback there, and they are going to work this five-man rush with the ability to still drop guys out and get extra underneath defenders right here but they're going to work this rush and they're going to use their athleticism to present so now georgia's got to make a decision how we're going to handle protection so typically if your running back is involved in the protection you might put him man to man on that guy and slide your whole line opposite where everybody's just going to take one gap over if you're going to release the running back now you put the right tackle man-to-man on this end. The right guard is now man-to-man on him. And now you're asking these three players are all they probably gap responsible to their left. Okay? Or you can do what's called big on big, which means literally you are saying we are all one-on-one. Regardless of how you choose to play it as an offense, the defense has things that can be problematic. So right here, what you see is Georgia appears to play this in a big-on-big concept. So, in other words, hey, we, we, we're we getting what's essentially a bare front. 
So the center, both guards are covered. So everybody's responsible for the dude on them. But you have to get depth because those guys aren't just going to stay there and run right down your middle. Very rarely does that happen. They're going to move. So as, as they all set for their guy, you see they're starting to pick. The nose is going to go now and try to pick this guard. 25 is going to try to go and pick the center. And so what happens now, if the center gets over-involved in chasing the nose, he has the ability to penetrate. And if this guard chases him too far, 29 comes around and now gets a free rush on the quarterback. Georgia handles this really well. They get depth right there. The center almost loses it, but they do a pretty good job. But, but Auburn's able to condense the pocket a little bit. And this has not necessarily been a strength of Ole Misses this year. But that D-line, they're able to condense the pocket, but Stetson's able to step up and find somebody. So staying out of these third and seven, third and eight situations, essential for Ole Miss because Auburn still has talent up front and they have a lot of games and things that they can do um, to, to be effective against Ole Miss. Okay. So showing this one, because, you know, they're good up front, but they, there's still things you can do. And this is right out of, of something that you've seen Ole Miss do a hundred times. They starting out balls in the left hash is the second and one second and six inches. And uh, they start out with four wide. And then what, what, what George is going to do is they're going to take the largest tight end I've ever seen in my life and motion him back in, and then Washington is going to come across. And this is just the split zone concept that Ole Miss runs 15 times a game. And even though, and it's one of the interesting things about this to me, even though it is a second and one, and Auburn does bring five, they're not in a very heavy run look right here, and Georgia handles it well. So we'll watch it from the end zone. So they have two D tackles over the guards. They have two DNs that are outside of the offensive tackles. They're going to bring the motion man. So now everybody on offense is going to zone to Georgia's left. And they're going to work their zone. The tight end is going to come back across. And we highlighted this after the Kentucky game and showed you a clip where uh, Kelly came across and ended up picking up Jacquez Jones, who had fit it pretty well, and it was on Judkins' long touchdown run. Exact same scheme right here. They're going to bring the tight end back across to be responsible for C-gap, and the tailback is now going to look to hit front side or cut back. And so right here, what ends up happening is Georgia does a great job, though the right tackle in particular, number 70, is he steps to his gap and there's nobody there. He realizes there's no threat. He turns back on the defensive end. The tight end now gets – Number one is blitzing off the edge, and there's the seam for the running back, and it's second and one turns into an explosive play where they gain 28 yards, you know, um, on a very simple run scheme and a run scheme that we will see Ole Miss use multiple times throughout the game. It's But the key is right here, they get Auburn in a man-to-man look. If you go back, there's one linebacker in the box because this linebacker is man-to-man on him, Safety's man-to-man there. He's blitzing. He's man-to-man. He's man-to-man, and there's one high safety. And then someone is responsible for this tailback. Either the blitzer would peel and this linebacker would replace, or that linebacker, the only one in the box, is responsible for the tailback. So when they motion right here, 
they get them to kind of adjust some man-to-man responsibility there. And the reason 32, the the one linebacker in the box misfits it, is when they motion the tight end in, zero and 32 are now both responsible for him. And it's, hey, he goes to you, he's yours, he comes to me, he's mine. Well, he works towards 32, so 32 has to be he's playing the wall screen. Yep. Right? So that opens up the cutback, and there it goes. So, you know, so much in football plays off of one another. And so you run this split zone. In your old Miss, you run a lot of the wall screen. Those two things have to complement each other, and that's what Georgia takes advantage of right there. Okay? Moving on, I only want to show you a couple more. And, you know, it's become a fun thing for me each week now to try and find a clip because we talked about, I think, the very first one of these this year, we talked about pass rush and about how it just seems to be getting so much harder to protect the passer. So look at this clip pre-snap. So for everybody listening and not watching, what you see right now is an end zone copy of Georgia's offense versus Auburn's defense. Empty backfield, no running backs in the backfield. There is There are three defenders to the left of the quarterback, three defensive linemen. There's one to the right. So if you're looking at this right now, to the right of the offense, there is no one in A gap. There is no one in B gap. Now, this is on a third and 10. You're not overly concerned about him as a runner right here, but you're also going to play a game that helps you answer that. Okay. So right here, they are showing the ability to bring four rushers but three of those rushers are cheated to one side of the field. They will not stay there. When the ball is snapped, what you're going to see is that the nose who starts off almost on the guard and not even on the center is going to slant all the way across and end up outside the tackle on the other side of the formation. Oh, man, look at that. He is essentially crossing four gaps right there. 29, the only rusher on the right side of the offense, is going to take a jab step and back out, and he is now looking for the quarterback. He is there for a screen. He is there for a crossing route and to spy the quarterback if it's quarterback draw. He essentially becomes a linebacker. He becomes a linebacker. Now, we started out, we had those three defenders on the offense's left. Number one has now come down and brought himself to the picture. So now you have the nose who's an A-gap who's going to go all the way to the opposite C-gap. You have the D-end who's lined up inside the tackle is going to come all the way across the guard's face. You have the guy that's out wide, two yards outside the tackle, is going to rush up the field. And now number one who's just crept into the box as a safety is going to leave where that D-end was, and he's going to rush between the guard and the tackle. So they're giving you a four-man rush, but nothing about this four-man rush is traditional. And again, Georgia handles it okay. It's hard right here. The center oversets it and is surprised, I think, when 25 completely crosses space. And as the quarterback works up right there, he kind of works into pressure. Now, he does a great job of getting this ball off, and it's incomplete. But again, Ole Miss – I find it hard to believe that Ole Miss is going to find a ton of success if they get into this third and 10 world where Auburn can be creative both with their rush and their coverage and put Jackson Dart in a situation where he might make a mistake. And that's what I anticipate them doing as as often as possible against Ole Miss. 
Uh, last one I'm going to show you right here again, looking at kind of the creativity and some of the things that they do with their defensive front and ways that they can uh, try to generate some some chaos. So, again, we're third and seven. They're good in third and long because they're good up front. It allows them to protect our secondary to play some games. So here they go. They line up there. If you're looking at this or if you're listening at home, Georgia now does have a running back in the backfield. Okay. Auburn still only presents four defensive linemen. There is nobody lined up near the center. A gap is completely uncovered. Both B gaps are full and C gap is full. So they're only going to rush four right here. But again, they're going to play a game with their defensive line and they're going to try and set picks and create issues with their movement. So they're going to take number 50, who's on the left of the offense. He's lined up between the guard and the tackle. He's going to slant all the way across. And what he's doing is he's reading number 63. Right now, if he sees 63's chest, he's going to go all the way around him and try to get into the open gap. If 63 is turned facing the opposite direction like he is here, he is going to go and collision that hip and set a pick so that when his line mate works around him, again, if this guard chases 50 all the way over to the center, there's nobody to pick up the stunning D tackle. If he comes off to take the twist, now 50 who's pinned the hip of the center is in position to get vertical and go create pressure. It's a really simple D-line stun. It's one that people have been doing forever. But the athleticism to do it from two wide three techniques. from I mean, th- those guys are five yards apart. And they're executing a stunt that most most people, the average players, need to be three yards apart, two yards apart to execute. Now, the next layer to it is this defensive end that's down here to the left of the offense, 29. He's got a two-way go. If he can beat 59 up the field and get here and force the quarterback up into his stunt, he's going to do it. If he gets overset and goes inside, which is what happens right here, the quarterback is almost forced now to flush this way, and the defender that's coming around on the stunt is supposed to now come behind you and pick him up as he flushes. So they're just doing a good job, again, of using their four-man pressure and playing games with their talented front. And you see that's exactly what happens right there is he feels the pressure. There's nothing on this front side that's open. He feels the backside pressure that's now come underneath. He spins out. That's exactly how – he exactly how you're being taught to handle that. And now there's 25 who's worked around in your face, plus 98 chasing you down from the backside, and you lose nine yards on a third and seven and potentially put the ball on the ground. So from a defensive standpoint, if I'm Ole Miss, it's it's all about handling their front. And the run game and the passing game is how do I handle the front? And to me, if you're Ole Miss's defense worried about Auburn's offense, the question is, How do they play us? Do they play us as a spread team? Do they play us as a power team? And what's our answer either way? That's why all the people who are, uh, and and I'm talking about Auburn guys who are saying this is a three, four touchdown game. I'm just, I don't know. I I see 14 and a half points. And even that, I think that's a fairly big line. I just kind of, I don't know. I kind of wonder. It's part of it is I've covered Auburn. I've covered Ole Miss. And it just looks so weird to see this number. It it does. And here's, Here's what, and, and I read the piece that you did with with somebody that covers Auburn. I, I had a chance to read it during my lunch break today. 
And I, I do think it, it's the, the, the perceived fragility in the locker room, right? If something bad happens early, how much pride is there? And, and, and I, to me, I think that's ultimately the question. If something good happens for Auburn early, I don't see this being a, a could it end up being like last week? Maybe. I, I don't I don't necessarily think so. But if something good happens for them early and they're able to run the football effectively and get in the power sets and stay out of third and long, I, Ole Miss can fight. I mean, it, it, it could very well be a fight. If something good happens for Ole Miss early and, and Auburn isn't able to respond, things have the ability to snowball. And, and that's part, of, I think, the Missouri game, right, is both teams were kind of fighting and scratching, trying to make something happen. And then all of a sudden something happened, and then the other one made something happen, and they just kept clawing. But no team – both teams were kind of on the ropes. And then even when things were bad, they were on the ropes, and then suddenly all of a sudden they're being productive, and they're still on the ropes and waiting on, on the knockout blow, and, and Missouri literally gifted them the ball. Um, Ole Miss is, needs to generate success early. And they need to throw some haymakers early. And if they do, maybe it does become a four-score game. I'm, I'm, I'm like you. It's not that I don't believe in Ole Miss. It's not that I don't think that they're a good football team. I, I would love to see nothing more than for them to to whip up on Auburn. But there is talent that exists on the Auburn side of the ball, and 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 it's if they handle it right, there are problems that there there are things that can give Ole Miss problems. The question is, will they beat themselves? And that's been some of the things within this year that people talk about is for a guy that maybe he doesn't feel like he's coaching for his job. So he's willing to play some kind of risky games like against LSU with with some special teams and decisions and some things like that. Who knows? You know, um, so that's not necessarily the definitive pick or answer or anything. But I, I think that uh, I think. I think they're going to be one of the better defenses Ole Miss has faced yet, especially their front. Um, and offensively, it's it's what identity do you get from Auburn? Are they Jekyll or are they Hyde? And, and if they come out and decide to play bully ball, Ole Miss has to be ready for it. Should be an interesting Saturday. Pete, as always, thanks so much for the time. Again, thanks to Walk-Ons. They put everything they've got into bringing you game day with the taste of Louisiana. Dig into their mouth-watering, made-from-scratch Louisiana cuisine, po'boys, gumbo, voodoo shrimp, juicy burgers, fresh salads. 70-plus TVs, more than 40-plus uh, ice-cold beers on tap. Check them out in Oxford or Ridgeland. And don't forget about their tailgate platters, their family and friends bundles. You can order online at walkons.com or via their convenient Walk-Ons app. We'll be back next week. We'll look back at Ole Miss and Auburn and look ahead to Ole Miss's trip to Baton Rouge, the Rebels, and the Tigers next Saturday, 2.30 on CBS in Baton Rouge for uh, Pete Deweese. I'm Neil McCready. That does it for this edition of Pete's Pigskin Preview presented by Walk-On Sports Bistro. Have a great weekend. See you soon. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. 
For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.